1: Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Woke Bros. I'm your gracious co-host, Big Waz. Alongside, as always, my comrade and compatriot, my brother from another, you know what I mean, white chocolate, Michael Shabazz, <laughs> <laughs> Nassim Jamal Nassim, Brooks. What's going on? Nassim,
2: seen the seer.
1: <laughs> I'm good,
2: man. It's good to be back. Still fighting some jet lag and other things, but I'm good, man. How are you guys doing?
1: Good, good, and of course, as always, on the ones and threes, my man Rob Lopez out there on the, on the Northeast as well. Before we get into today's Woke Bros, I just want to remind you guys, and I hate to be that stickler, but you're going to miss out if you haven't already bought your tickets to Count the Dings Live in San Francisco, California at The Independent on October 12th. Myself, Black Trey, Amino Hassan, Tom Habistro, Ethan Strauss, of course, the evil producer Jade Hoy. Uh, San Francisco's own Anthony Mays Eden Lee oh, Nissan nice. Lufstein special oh. guest Marcus Thompson of the Athletic as awesome. well as Andy <laughs> Lou and Sam Fendiari of the Light Years Podcast. Other guests haven't been announced but they're on their way make sure you get your tickets at CountTheDings.com There's less than a handful left VIP sold out with the quickness, but General Admin is still on there. You're going to want to be in the building on October 12th, so make sure you get your tickets ASAP. Mike, tell the people about Chicago, please. I don't know why I've got to still tell you people,
2: but August 24th, Lincoln Hall, Chicago live show, TMBS live show. I'm incredibly excited about getting this to the Midwest. We packed Brooklyn, we packed L.A. with special guests, uh, Chuck Merritt, who's a broadcasting legend in Chicago. think VIP is actually also sold out, too, but double check. He's just excited, man. Chicago's a great city. We're excited to hit the Midwest. August 24th, Lincoln Hall, we're there. Get your tickets
1: now. On today's show, Rob mentioned to me and Mike that we haven't touched on a lot of the geopolitical politics in a while. So we're going to get into the protests that are going down in Hong Kong, man. Uh, this is some crazy stuff happening over there. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of that. For those of you who haven't been yet to check out the news on that and get informed on that, of course, Two of our favorite people in all of culture, Bernie Sanders and Cardi B, had a sit down. Me and Mike are going to just digest what Cardi B is doing with her celebrity, her power, and her influence, as opposed to what some other people who are in the news are doing, uh, particularly from the hip-hop community. Uh Uh (laughs) But first, Jeff, Uh I I mean, man, (laughs) Jeff Epstein, man. This story (laughs) just keeps (laughs) unraveling. (laughs) In so many ridiculous ways, Michael and I tend to be – we tend to go the other way, and I think – I guess we're kind of conservative in that way when it comes to conspiracy theories and grand schemes and people plotting to make things happen. A lot of times you see stuff on the news happen to powerful people um, or in or around powerful people, and you just chalk it up to a basic – you know, you see – terrible things befall rich and powerful people and people, people jump to the conspiracy people. They must've been, had their hands in this. And so this group of people went and got them and this, this, that, and the third. And generally I like to chalk a lot of stuff up to basic incompetency. Um, That's usually the answer. Um, What you see is usually what you're getting. What I, what I like to think a lot of times we want to ascribe just a level of, um, able to get uh, so many complicated mechanics done, especially involving human beings, right? Like the most unpredictable thing on earth are human beings. And so I tend to shy away from conspiracy talk, but this Epstein stuff and you know, all of the stuff that was happening in and around his arrest an indictment and the charges that were brought against him and you realize this was going on for decades. And then you start to notice the people who he's hanging around with and you start to see, wow, the names in the, the the sphere of influence around this guy is very huge and powerful and influential. And this is a major story, right? So then when the guy pops up dead in his jail cell, a lot of questions have to come up, Mike. And 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 I know You've briefly touched on it on TNBS and even on here on Woke Bros where you're like, look, you don't like to go conspiratorial on these big these big issues with the rich and the famous and the powerful. But, man, it's hard not to sort of lick your finger and see which way the winds are blowing. You know what I mean? I mean, as, you know what it is, the, how I see it is the reason that I always
2: tell people to get away from so-called conspiracy culture is 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 not because I don't think that, you know, obviously media isn't incredibly skewed and so on. My point is more that, you know, we've we've talked about this too, Waz, that like you don't need to go down some rabbit hole to know that Yeah, Wall Street melted the economy like, you know, a small group of corporate sector, you know, uh, or, you know, basically the corporate sector owns the political process that U.S. intelligence agencies have, you know, supposed and, and, you know, in, in orchestrated coups across the globe going back since the inception you know of of the OSS and then what became the CIA, like things like that, are not? Can score, frankly, like you know the U.S. government gave black people syphilis at Tuskegee. Like these are not conspiracy theories; these are historical realities and ongoing realities. So my thing has always been like, you know, you don't need to have like the extra step to make it all fit together in some grand scheme. Uh, You know, because in fact, like it's all in front of you, it's capitalism, it's it's systemic corruption, it's it's foreign policy, it's resource conflicts. I mean, this is all if you don't think those things are happening, then you just have like a childish view of reality. But I feel like the thing that has started to hit me with this Epstein stuff is like, all right, 100 percent, you know, in an in an Alex Jones world and in a world where people You know, they make up a lot of stuff when they go on wild goose chases or they, you know, maybe make connections that aren't as solid as they could be. That's all true. And so we're kind of, you know, taking time to try to, like, get back to the big picture. But I realize, like, as part of this Epstein stuff, it's like I'm not saying that I know every single piece of this, obviously. Right. And I'm not even saying about, you know, how he got killed specifically. But I'm saying that if you look at the overall story of what Jeffrey Epstein was doing, who he was and who he was connected to, if you don't think and go in the direction of that this was actually some type of broader intelligence operation and not just like a sick, rich guy, I think you're getting naive and credulous in the opposite direction. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I Yeah, that when the police who arrested him, as an example, when they say, you know, we, we went into his house. And as an example, there's a kingdom of Saudi Arabia passport, which had been used. Now, maybe he bought that on the black market, blah, blah, blah. Point is, getting a Saudi passport is one of the more difficult things you could ever do. Then there's all of these And this is, again, in the first reports that came out in the first couple of days, there are supposedly albums with photographs that literally say young girl with X. As in, you know, I mean, again, reminding everybody of how obscene this all is, you know, an underage, a a girl, child who's being raped um, by X, presumably well-known person. And when you look at these patterns, and I guess this is also where it gets kind of funny because, you know, again, there were things that were true, like Operation Gladio, right, where, which is, that's including, you know, declassified CIA documents. Yeah, like CIA officers stayed behind after World War II into NATO countries and aligned with right-wing forces and paramilitary forces to murder communists and so on, and, you know, and we also know that there's this other pipeline, and I would say that the reporting on this is interesting, though less definitive, that does kind of link, like, basically, like, organized crime with intelligence services and extortion. And so I, I just, you know, to me, it's like.
0: We're sorry. Your call cannot be completed as dialed. Please check the number and dial again. This is a recording. Oh, yeah. Sorry for that interruption. But, yeah, I mean, I think, like, this is one where we do have to be looking at not – I don't even necessarily want to say conspiracy again because, you know – this is the type of thing intelligence agencies are involved in. (laughs) Like there's not an ethical code with any of this. And it does in fact have a lot of connections demonstrably to exactly, you know, finance politics. And the last thing I'll say is if you just look at Jeffrey Epstein's whole career trajectory and how he got where he was, you mean the most innocent word you could use would be totally bizarre. Or just bizarre. It doesn't it does not yeah, have a up. linear line.
1: It doesn't have a linear line. No. Yeah. And it's one of those things, too, where the police are telling you that they go to his house. And like you said, young girl with ex-senator or ex-governor. Um, The idea that you would be participating in these egregious crimes and keep contraband at your house. That just shows you that's the game right there. Right. Like if you were doing this illicit activity and you you know, your main intention was to continue to do it and not get caught. One of the first things any sound of mind person is like, I don't want to keep evidence of the crimes that I'm committing, i.e. Uh, pimping out young women. To predators, to pedophiles, right? Like, um that's the <laughs> like the idea that this guy would keep these these materials in his house for any other reason makes no sense. And then it's just, I mean, for me, it's just the kinds of people who he was involved with, combined with the fact that he's making his money illegitimately. Like, and you could say it's one of those things where we all can agree, like, investment banking is an illegitimate business, right? (laughs) But, (laughs) you know, like, we understand how that business runs, right? Um, Whether you want to say it's defrauding investors or whatever, you can say that. But, like, this guy has a hedge fund and he makes no investments whatsoever, but yet he keeps getting money to invest from people to invest in his hedge fund. It's just like, that's illegitimate that's not that's not what 9 out of 10 not how 9 out of 10 hedge, hedge funds operate right it's so obvious that what he was doing was bizarre um and the only way to explain it is you know to to conclu- come to the conclusion that he was involved with a lot of nefarious activities and nefarious individuals quite frankly like it's clear that he was running with a strange circle so when he comes when he comes to an untimely death in a jail cell no less and you know by the way it's not hard for me to believe that he killed himself either right like the 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 feds had him dead to rights on these child pornography charges um child pornographers don't fare so well in the criminal justice system um i think that's a pretty well documented fact uh, his life was kind of going to be pretty churrid-ash, especially when you consider what it was beforehand, right? And I don't want to throw cold water on the murder conspiracy. I'm just saying, like, it's, a, it's not so hard for me to believe that a guy who was jet-setting um, ridiculous- Yo, but
0: py- I, I agree with that, but just got to say, second attempt, after being taken off of suicide watch,
1: problematic. That's that, that again. Again, I'm not here to throw cold water on the on the on the murder angle here. I'm just saying, um, it wouldn't be hard for me to believe that either thing happened. But the story is so that to me that just speaks to how sensational the story is, right? Um, obviously he had ridiculous information on people, um, and he had yet to, or we don't know that he was that he had spoken, nothing has come out or been reported about what he spoke to as far as crimes of other individuals. so it's not hard for me to believe that people would have wanted to have him killed, right? From our own president and I, I know I heard we've heard all the Vince Foster, Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, whatever, we've heard all of that, but it's not just them. It's like princes and 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 royalty quote unquote of other, you know, European nations. Like this is serious stuff we're talking about. And I think that's why this is different from Vince Foster or PizzaGate, right? Um, these things are on the record, you know, like (laughs) the, the justice department, uh, uh, they have stuff on the record on him. Like there's evidence of this. There's no evidence that Hillary Clinton ordered Pizzagate, right? Like this isn't Pizzagate is what I'm saying. Like, that's why I think, you know, major out media outlets and people who are otherwise stayed you know hardened grizzled media professionals who are always tiss tiss at the conspiracy angle even they have their eyebrows raised like hold on something weird is happening with this epstein stuff and i think it's notable i mean
0: again yes and it's like you know I think what it more is, I think sometimes what conspiracy, I mean, sometimes conspiracy theories are just absolutely ridiculous. And I think other times conspiracy theories are the literal, making something ultra literal that there's some truth in, right? Like, was the CIA involved in cocaine smuggling in the 80s? Definitely, right? Because those were their partners in Latin America. Uh, you know that's how the contras, that's how those wars were being funded. There's a huge amount of liquidity. Now, does that mean it's the? It, you know, then it's like, is it that exactly the same thing as, you know, the CIA is specifically going to certain neighborhoods of color to inject crack? Yeah, right. I don't think. You know <laughs> right. What I mean, I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about right. that part, but I do know that at the same time, like, they're involved with it because those are their partners. That – the drugs do primarily funnel to certain neighborhoods, and then the criminal justice system comes down in a racialized and class-driven way. So the literal But the idea that the CIA
1: coordinated it, it, it seems um – Dubious to me uh, When they do try to do those type of Coordinations they tend to fail See Iran <laughs> like, Well yeah I mean but I'm just saying like that's But it's
0: it's very interesting to me Because stuff like you know Pizzagate and all of that It's like I mean it's ridiculous Because stuff like QAnon depends on this You know that yeah that Donald Trump has, Is actually spending his whole career To try to take these people down You know like you got to be involved In a degree of fantasy in your head To believe that But at the same time, I think, like, there is this other element where, again, it's like, do you really think that intelligence agencies like the CIA wouldn't be very interested in the treasure trove of international blackmail material available? I find it, and I will say, I find it extraordinarily bizarre that supposedly they just finally found Giselle Maxwell, Lane Maxwell, who was like his madam. Apparently she's accused yep. of, and that she, they just finally found her. She had been missing for years, right? She was photographed just minutes before we started to record. They said, apparently it's her. She was at an in N out burger, uh, in LA reading a book on, the CIA.
1: Come on, man. This is crazy. I'm like
0: straight <laughs> up. Like I'm not like again, this is all over Twitter. Like this is this is I mean, this is very weird, man. It's and I feel like you can, you know, start to Yeah, like
1: and, and part of it when what people need to understand and I think with the broader point that you're trying to make too, is that the CIA will further all kinds of atrocities in furtherance of their own aims, right? Um, You know, the civil war in Jamaica, the civil war in Vietnam. Like, when you think about the scope and the scale of tragedy, horror wrought on that country and brought to bear by basically America in furtherance of some phony-ass war against the Soviets, when you compare that to, and I'm sorry, like, like, sex trafficking of 16-year-old girls, like, morally, it doesn't even compare. It kind of seems quaint. When you sit and think about it, right? Or even, it, or even if you want to compare, you know, the war in um, Central America with the Contras and all of that in the eighties, like, um, you know, letting, like, forget about the atrocities that they committed, killing priests and all of that stuff. Like, letting them just sell drugs. Like, it's like, you know, a lot of this stuff is just like, this is what they do. Of course, they'll um turn a blind eye to something horrible if they think if they think they can achieve, you know, impor- ends that they see as important right um and i think that's right, why that's where, it's not hard to believe that they would support this and that's also where
0: like my like my i was just on uh connor habib's podcast and um and he had this good he was kind because of, he's totally 100 percent like absolutely they murdered him and you know, yeah, there are like global elites who, you know, do this type of shit. And But I like this line he said that was actually very funny to me because he was kind of like, he was talking about how years ago he was at Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, like, you know, like however many years ago that was, 20 years ago or whatever. And he was on the, uh, you know, and the person he was at the theater with, at that point in the movie when they started like like uh fighting off, like flying on the treetops, The guy he was with was like, that is totally unrealistic. And Connor's like, oh, like this is where you like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this is the point in the movie. So there is this thing where it's like, you know, okay. And and the other thing I didn't mention before, which is totally bizarre, is that Alex Acosta, who was Trump's labor secretary, who gave Epstein just this unbelievably easy deal in two thousand seven for pedophilia, he said was quoted in the daily beast that during the transition, when he was asked about it, like why you gave him such a light sentence, he said, I was told Epstein was intelligence and to leave it alone. That's supposedly what he said. That's never been denied. And that was reported again in, you know, the daily beast that's like been reporting this, you know, pretty thoroughly in this case. So what, so what, what he was saying though, was like, okay, like, you have all of, you know, you have like this global pedophilia network that implicates at least some, at least a few very prominent people, right? Right. Right. And then you, and it's probably definitely, I mean, you know, if you think about it a little bit, you could at least say that it's plausible it's connected to the intelligence services. And then, you know, and everything you just said, was about just like the history of these types of agencies, and it's all of a sudden like, oh yeah, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't kill this guy in a jail cell. You know, I'm not even saying, like to me, like, (laughs) <laughs> honestly like to me to me like I, i'm open you know jeffrey epstein might have paid the guard off himself so he could kill himself because he right. wanted to get out of it for all the reasons you said
1: i mean but it seems I like he was in a
0: in for a world of shit a world of shit i just gotta <laughs> say this is the new york post just one second this is wild new york post one hour ago Jeffrey Epstein's gal pal, Just Lane Maxwell, spotted at In-N-Out Burger in first photos since his death. The 57-year-old was photographed alive in well Monday at a burger joint location in Universal City, uh, Los Angeles. Once spotting, Maxwell, who was sitting alone with a pet pooch, told the onlooker, told one onlooker, well, I guess this is the last time I'll be eating here. Maxwell, who was reading a book called The Book of Honor.'" The secret lives and deaths of CIA operatives has been underground for months and not pictured in public since
1: 2016. What the fuck, yo? I mean that that that, that that's that seems. Man. Look, man, this story is about as fascinating <laughs> a story as has come out in a while. I think we're gonna stay 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 tuned to this one, guys. We're gonna we're gonna um be watching this one fairly closely. It, it, it It's like a Venn diagram of like 20 different things that we're interested in, um, but we got to move on. One of our one of the show's favorite rappers and just all around personalities in culture today. She had a sit-down with Bernie Sanders, which he was quite kind enough to post on his, his Twitter account. It was basically a one-on-one interview. A la, you know, it's basically Cardi B interviews one of the Democratic candidates for president. A la like Breakfast Club is basically doing right now. Um, but this one was a little bit more light-hearted and fun nature, but I just thought it was cool that Cardi, who, it wasn't that long ago where she was a very normal person who nobody knew and was worried about money and shit every day, was worried about her family and, and their financial situation every day. Um, I, that sticks with me, like the, how fast she rose, because I think it's important and instructive here, right? Like she's, conne- she's con- very connected to these issues. Um, because it wasn't that long ago where she was in that position where it's like, man, getting a straight job and not showing my ass at a club, like that's not going to be enough to feed me and the people around me, right? Um, it's 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 she's it's so obvious how um connected she still feels to that mindset. Um, and I think it informed like this discussion. Obviously, it's a huge production and we get it. Bernie, and we say it all the time on the show at this time, at this point in time, Bernie has his talking points down pat. But I think, you know, in just the way Cardi presents her questions, is obvious that these are things that she cares about because it's obvious these are things that she was caring about not so long ago. Right. Um. And it's interesting. Mike always gives me crap for being a Jay Z fan because he's such a huge Nas head and all of that. Um, and hove the news about the NFL deal— which, whatever, you can say whatever you want about the NFL deal, but they like the the little mini press junket that they did, um, where they had to ask where, where they where they were asked questions and they had to answer them on the spot, not a prepared statement or, you know, do some publicism. I thought there was a lot of fumbling going on. And it's just like to watch Hove use his platform to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Rock Nation just did a deal with NFL to produce their Super Bowls, i.e. get fun of my artists through there as a way to get paid from the NFL and through my artists, um, as well as, you know, do some social justice on the side. It's just it's just an interesting juxtaposition to me because of what Cardi has decided to do with her platform, right? Like obviously Bernie is with it. He's 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 on a campaign right now. He realizes like popular people are gonna bring eyeballs to his message. Uh, I just thought it was just a fast, it's just been a fascinating week in culture in that respect. And you know what's crazy? I realized that like we're not even on the 20 yard line of this freaking election cycle. Like it's still super early and I get it that not a lot of people are dialed in and whatever. But I just think it's fascinating, man, that Cardi B, because the bottom line is somebody like Jay-Z, the last time he was really, really broke or worried about a dollar or, wor- or worried that the people around him weren't going to be good and comfortable and able to live fulfilling lives, like, it's been decades <laughs> since that, right? Um, Man, you got to say at least since 1998, 97, um, whenever whenever Hard Knock Life came out, he sold five million records. It was pretty much over for that. Um, so it's been two decades, really, since Jay-Z had to worry about something like that. And, and it kind of shows that he's out of touch with the rank-and-file American person. Forget about black person, right? Like, just a regular human person in America. It's obvious that Hov is out of touch. Obviously, he's still black. And obviously he still understands that these issues still happen, but it's not, man, he's not touching those issues on a day-to-day the way he used to.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, look, I think just taking them in order, I think that, you know, Cardi B is, I always say, you know, people don't recognize how lucky they are that for as bad and as difficult as things are. That you've got Bernie Sanders, Cornell West, and Cardi B, like that's like people don't realize. <laughs> like, thank God, you know, you've got some lights there. But to me, it's like you can even just look at it generationally in a way. Like, hold is still in this. Like, it, it's Generation X. It's it's. I mean, he's actually he starts in the Clinton era, obviously, but sort of like. Rises to kind of like the, this full status in the Obama era. And, you know, several years ago, I mean, if we did a segment like this, I mean, I would still, you know, this still be my Marxist tip of the innate limitations of these things. And I think that we would still be saying, like, oh, that's very interesting. But the NFL, which is still blackwalling Colin Kaepernick for speaking on. Uh, you know, police murders of black men and people and men of color across this country, you know, they get to sort of like buy access to culture through the stamp of Jay-Z. I think we would say all of these things, but I think we might even be a little bit more willing to say like, yes, but Jay-Z will provide a certain intelligence. It will certainly, you know, and it's true, it will provide a certain intelligence. It will provide, you know, it might improve the halftime show. But that being said, in 2019, this is the it's it's both that it's totally insufficient, and that it's sort of just like corporate brand washing, and also that it's all the things you're talking about. It's just that fundamental disconnect, and I think ultimately it shows just the limitations of that whole narrative, which is that you know someone can rise above a structure if they're you know both unbelievably talented and shrewd and also, you know, lucky. That's just how it works for anybody. Uh, but it doesn't deal with the fundamental issues. And I and I do think at some point, you know, as we evaluate these things, this is a door not to, you know, all kidding aside, I don't want to tear Jay-Z down. I don't want to, you know, uh, 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 Jay-Z is incredibly important, but I think we have to talk about, You know, what are the sweatshop conditions of Rockaware? What you know, how was this empire constructed? And there's gonna be a lot of you know, answers that we don't like and we're gonna recognize that we need to do differently in the future. And I just think, you know, Cardi as I say, I just love the fact that it's so authentic. Like her materialism is authentic. Loving FDR and Bernie is authentic. And just what comes across in that interview is that she definitely has her ear to the ground. She understands, like, this real day-in and, in and day-out struggle that hits so many people. And she's also willing, you know, to, to frankly put more taxes on her bracket if it means free college, health care for everybody, and doing the right thing. And that, you know, is another thing that makes it, I think, more difficult in some ways, for the Jay-Zs of the world, right? Like, you know, Jay-Z can come out and, sure, everybody hates Trump, but when you have Cardi B and the Mike actually talking about supporting a real agenda, uh, you know, and not doing like that, all right, well, you know, Trump's trash, and check out my new press conference with Roger Goodell, uh, makes it a lot more difficult. It, it looks wrong and just totally out of place in 2019.
1: Yeah, this is the, I think the most different... The disappointing part of it to me is the tone deafness of it all. Um which shows me that he's not actually in tune with what the issue is and whatever he was doing or saying before was a lot of lip service. I just think the most disheartening part of it all is just the tone deafness of not just and not just the words that Hov said at the press conference it's just the messaging, right? Like And while I'm one of those people who initially was like at the same time, Kaepernick coming to a settlement and not, quote unquote, taking it all the way against the NFL and basically like seeing the whole trial through, he took a settlement. Right. Like he got paid. Um, Not to say that he wasn't owed that money or he didn't deserve that money. I think there's a sort of perception there that even Kaepernick. Um, quote unquote, sold out. I I don't take that view. I think the point, point of the lawsuit was to get money from the NFL and he was able to settle that out of court and keep it pushing. But other people, you know, who sees Colin as a freedom fighter and that's a whole other thing we got to talk about another day. Like the idea that because you're a freedom fighter that you should be poor and desolate. Um, I don't understand that. Um, shouts to Bomani Jones. He's one of the people who who championed the idea that like, People who are protesting stuff and, you know, speaking truth to power, it doesn't mean they have to be poor. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't make money. Um, that being said, uh, he was—Hove was basically like, the, there's no That's need to— That's what Gandhi kn- said. That's what Gandhi said. <laughs> Hove was
0: basically Gandhi being was, like— Gandhi was like, I wanted to make that cash money. All right, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> Hove was being like, um, there was no need for the kneeling anymore because— the, the the issue um has been brought to light and there's a there's a way that that's true but not and it's also not your place to say that no like <laughs> you're not an NFL player on the front lines of that movement um your job is not on the line every day when you go out and do like the, the people who actually put the blood sweat and tears into that into that movement yeah they got a right to speak on when it's time to go and when it's time to not like oh, you no offense you an outsider In this whole issue, you're parachuting in and trading off of, you know, the blackness of them and yours. You understand what I'm saying? Like this idea that like I'm saying is cool. So what they're saying doesn't matter. Like you're trading off of them. You know, in a way, and like the idea that he doesn't recognize it, the optics of what he's doing just shows me he doesn't have a grasp of the situation, which is disheartening. And again, and I bring it back to Cardi B when she's like, well, shit, man, how feasible is it for us to. And, you know, and I hate the way that the, the conversation has been framed. Right. And I get that Bernie had to do it just so your message is easily digestible by the masses. But she 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 called it free college or free healthcare It's like, no, you already pay taxes. It's a redistribution of the shit we're already paying for, right? And Bernie, it was, he had a beautiful, he had a beautiful retort too because she said that's people's main, main critique, right? A lot of Bernie stuff seems like pie in the sky and this, this, and that. And the third, Bernie said, you know, how it's going to be possible? The healthcare care industry becomes way less profitable. <laughs> okay? The 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 um the medication industry becomes, the pharmaceutical industry, excuse me, becomes way less profitable. That's how we do it. Those people begin to make less money off of our pain and sickness. Like it's just he always gets to the root cause and the root point of everything. Like, we don't have to sugarcoat this. Like, like, we don't have to pretend that we're, you know, devotees to capitalism and profiteering is the the angel of this nation. And anytime somebody's not profiting and injustice is being had, it's like Bernie's like, no, it's, it, it'll be a, a great day in this nation when those two fucking industries are not making billions upon billions of dollars upon people on people. And we privatize that whole thing and we make sure everybody has access to health care and medication. Uh, I just, I mean, I just thought it was wonderful because that's a real normal person question. And you know, the way it gets posed on the, in the corporate media, always be like Bernie with his pie in the sky. Who's going to pay for all of this? Who's going to pay for it?
0: Yeah. That's, I how think it, that's, that's how that's the question was. gets framed. real. Yeah, that's that's also very interesting to me, too, because I think that, I mean, one, you know, I think definitely Cardi B specifically really gets it, and I do think that she obviously has a feel for these things. She has a sense of American history. She cares about actual stuff, and and, and, and again, it's very... That is such a progress, I just have to say, on the cultural tip. And, like, not to beat up on Jay-Z, but, like, the contrast between... Jay Z coming out and unplugs wearing the Che shirt because that had like an ethos and an edginess about it. But he doesn't say anything about Che or, you know, anything of that politics. It's just a certain, you know, it's a look, it's a brand. And then, you know, Cardi, who is diamonds and strip clubs and at like, you know, period. <laughs> but it's actually also like I lay FDR and we need to give people health care. No bullshit. It's just like, right, right. Like right. it's not a big production. It's not a big branding. It's just a really powerful artist who cares about things and understands how things work. Period. Yeah,
1: And, and I you just know, it's love it. Like,
0: it's Go no ahead, frills. No, I'm just saying it's no frills, And I, And I think that's the perfect, and and the only other thing I would say real quick is I just think it's interesting to me because it's like, I think definitely, obviously, there's a corporate media bias against Bernie Sanders and against progressive ideas. So there's a bunch of people on the left who just don't get represented on CNN or MSNBC or whatever. Definitely, please, please be under no illusions about MSNBC and obviously Fox, but I think in the last couple of days was is that there are definitely normal people who are like, Oh, how are you going to pay for it? Not because they're hostile, but because it's a sincere question. And it's fascinating to me that Cardi B who, you know, definitely she really understands these things and she's sympathetic to Sanders, but then Joe Rogan, who wasn't necessarily sympathetic to Sanders that both of these platforms even asked those like more critical questions in a way that was, much more realistic and reflective of, you know, I think what normal people's concerns are, but also the fact that when normal people get assuaged of their concerns, they're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders. Of course. (laughs) Like, let's stop giving, you know, insurance executives hundreds of millions of dollars while we die. That sounds like a good idea.
1: Amen. man so for this last little segment man well I definitely wanted to touch on Hong Kong because the, uh, the, the protest has been in the news lately um, it's not a part of the world that a lot of people here in the states pay attention to or know much about um, a lot of times <laughs> Chinese people and Asian people can almost seem like aliens to other people um, to people in America, right, because they are so far away from us and their culture is so much different f- from ours. But um, I think what's going on in Hong Kong is huge and important. Um, Mike, I know you guys have been following this story very closely over at TNBS. Could you give the people just a quick refresher on the Hong Kong situation?
0: Yeah, I mean, real quick, I guess like the main takeaways of that in 1997, uh, Britain which had actually controlled Hong Kong gave Hong Kong back to the chi- to China, and there was a different system in place in Hong Kong. So the idea was one country, two systems. And this isn't to say that Hong I mean Hong Kong in many ways has really big problems of a global capitalist hub. You know, it's unlivable for a lot of people. It's extremely expensive. It's very unequal. unequal. But there was um, definitely some more developed civil rights and protections than certainly you get in mainland China. And basically, the agreements have not been honored across the board. And in fact, there's only been a sort of increase of basically kind of encroachment uh, on Hong Kong from the mainland. And first, what sparked this several months ago was a bill, an extradition bill, where people could get actually get extradited from hong kong into mainland china uh it, on on criminal charges and you know people who are involved in labor rights and other areas were very worried about this obviously this sparked huge mass protests and they're still ongoing they've been occupying airports uh it's the it's you know it's gra- it's putting a huge amount of activity of the island to a halt and the crackdown has gotten more and more brutal you know it's cup first they actually clearly some people hired and put some triad gangsters on the street out to beat up and work over protesters. Now it's been riot police. And most ominously, the Chinese government has been kind of doing some military and paramilitary exercises, kind of indicating like we can just come in and invade the whole thing. Uh, so, you know, to me, it's interesting if you put in a global context of everything from how Trump is, to how Bolsonaro is, to India scrapping its constitution just to get into Kashmir. There's a lot of like mask off right now. And Xi Jinping, you know, the leader of China, is very much in that vein. So uh, there's a lot of other dynamics there, but that's kind of in some ways the main takeaway. We'll see what happens. It's very tense, very live situation.
1: Man, and to me, what struck me about this whole story is just the idea that these people are like, you know what? One of our favorite things about being a a citizen of Hong Kong is the democratic element of what we do here. And we're willing to hit the streets about it and for it. And in the face of, obviously, one of the most authoritarian, powerful regimes in the entire world. um, When it comes to authoritarianism, I think China kind of got the belt right now. Maybe Saudi Arabia can contest with them, but China at the scale that they do it, like the amount of people they have under surveillance, lock and step, the way they censor their internet, their press, they're like, they got authoritarianism on lock globally. And the fact that these people in Hong Kong are willing to be like, nah, man, we're putting our foot down and we know, we remember Tiananmen Square and we know what this government is capable of, but th- we hold this thing so near and dear to. To what we're about and what we think Hong Kong stands for. We're willing to hit the streets and disrupt some shit. It's actually really awe-inspiring. And um, you know, I'm watching that closely. Yeah, you're right. So let's get quickly into our recommendation crates. Um, again, we're we're workshopping this segment, y'all. We're gonna come up with something clever and slick pretty soon here, I promise. Um about a week and a half ago, I went to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino's ninth um, major, major motion picture. Uh, it stars Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Margot Robbie, Lena Dunham. It's a whole. It's just a whole bunch of people in this movie. Um, but in preparation for it, I watched two of his movies on Netflix. One was Inglourious Bastards, which is a great flick I happen to like a lot. But the one I wanted to recommend to everybody is Jackie Brown. Uh, came out in 1997, stars Pam Greer, Samuel L. Jackson, Robert De Niro, it's one to me. It's 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 one of Quentin Tarantino's most heartfelt movies. I think it's got a, a certain sweetness to it. Like the relationship between Pam and Robert Forster in this movie is so cool. Like Michael Keaton gives an incredible performance as a cocky, you know, like gung ho ATF agent who's doing too way too much. I just think the performances are interesting and, and like I know Tarantino. Likes to do the thing where he gets the washed up actor or somebody who people think is washed up, but he thinks is very special and talented and gives them a role that showcases what they're good at. And I think, man, this Pam Greer's performance in this movie is uh, probably one of the greatest examples I've ever seen of that. Like, uh, it's hard for me to remember somebody watching somebody in a film who's more magnetic and just. I don't know, man. There's just a light shining through this woman throughout the whole movie. And you could tell the way Tarantino shoots her in every scene. Like, he is in awe of this woman. Um, I just think uh, people who like this show would would need to give. If you've never seen Jackie Brown, if you've already seen Jackie Brown, give it a revisit. If you've never seen it before, you need to watch that ASAP. We've all got Netflix. Go check that out.
0: Yo, that is my one of my favorite movies ever made. Jackie Brown is incredible. It's so good such a good movie it, it just works in so many different ways man it's a beautiful movie um, alright this one is a little bit uh, uh, heady but if you take some time if you want to read a book and kind of help get yourself up to speed I would say on some of the history of where we are now it's a book by Vijay Prashad who is a journalist historian political analyst and it's called The Darker Nations A People's History of the Third World And I just, to me, like the third world anti-colonial project and how it, the reasons that in so many cases it didn't really ultimately succeed and the fact that we still live in a world that does look very colonized in so many ways today, um, even though it's not formally colonized, but economically a lot of the same kind of underlying systems are in place. It's actually a very readable book. It will introduce you to a lot of interesting histories and personalities and politicians and and uh you know and and movement leaders and guerrillas and things like that uh so check it out darker nations people's history of the third world by vj prashad people asked me book recommendations i wanted to throw one out with there
1: awesome um i actually maybe i'll get that on my next amazon order uh dope show mike and rob as always i want to thank everybody for listening um obviously i want to thank all the patrons of both tmbs and CounterDings.com. if you're not a patron of either one you're playing yourself get that subscription it's worth it so much great content and mike gonna make your ass smart about a day if it's the last thing he do uh, that's what's gonna happen
0: <laughs> pour, pour one out for a real one Jeffrey
1: Epstein. Make sure you guys get your tickets to San Francisco. Those of you who are in the Bay Area, if you're in the greater Midwest region, make sure you get your tickets to Chicago for TMBS. We'll see you guys next week. We out.